Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Well, this is the milestone episode. We'll get to that in just one second, but the housekeeping needs to be done. So please log on to the official website, which is trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com. I know that's a mouthful and a lot to type, but once you've typed and bookmarked it, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. But on this website, you will find all links to the social media. You will find links to every place podcasts are found where this is currently being picked up, but many different platforms. Uh, The most popular being Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so forth. You can also find this on the main host, which is Podbean, SoundCloud, MixCloud, TuneIn, Player FM. You get get the gist. So basically everywhere and every place uh, a podcast is found, that's where this eventually gets uh, publish. Now, before I get to introduce my amazing guests, uh, I want to also remind you that the website and in this episode's description is a link to the podcast merchandise. Now, I know what you're thinking. Podcast merchandise? What? Uh, but it's a way for you as a listener or new listener to a, have some merch that also helps this podcast stay afloat. Uh, the proceeds from this podcast, uh, well, from the sales of the merch, come back to help this podcast. Um, it's almost would be great. I mean, and, and you don't have to wear. I mean, there's T-shirts, uh, there's baby onesies. It's from our lovely partners at Tee Public, who are very good at uh, creating merchandise for all things pop culture. Um, but I would really love your support through the podcast merch. Uh, the link not only is available through the news tab on the website, it will be linked in this episode description. So if you want a new uh, laptop case or a new iPhone case with my mug on it, meaning face and logo to this podcast, and knowing that it helps this podcast be afloat, feel free to check out the merch. Even if it's just stickers and you are one of those people. Remember those million dollar man or six million dollar man stickers that were like spread across the world? It would be hilarious if people started buying Trending Topics with BB podcast stickers and just randomly stuck them throughout the world. Not only would that be free advertising for me, (laughs) but it would be hilarious because people would be like, what the hell is this? Um, So that's an idea. They're only like a few bucks. Um, But along those lines, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can hit up the lovely email address. And I know this intro is getting long as it is, so I'm going to speed it up and hopefully uh, give you the information thus needed. Uh, So I want to address the numbers. So this is being posted as the Centennial 100th episode. But you're wondering because as a podcast listener, you've probably only seen, I think there's like 20 to maybe 30 little episodes missing. That's because this podcast started out as a video chat show on YouTube. Those are also linked on the website and you can find them by searching Trinity Topics with BB to check those out. So that's why it morphed into a podcast from that TV show. Fun fact. All right, sorry, we're already a little bit past, but I did want to address that, meaning that this is the centennial. 
show. Uh, so my wonderful guest is one of the pioneers of podcasting, as he will explain in this lovely episode. We have met because we're both podcasters in Phoenix, Arizona, and there's this lovely podcasting club called Phoenix Podcasting Club that he founded, and that's how we met. Um, but this man also has contributed to the podcasting for dummies. I mean, this guy um, really can give you insight, and I'm talking about the wonderful Evo Terra. Uh, he was generous enough to allow me to use his studio to record this episode and gives a lot of insight to podcasting as a whole, as well as encouragement for me, myself, I feel like a mentor in the podcasting space. So before further ado, I give you my wonderful chat with Evo Terra. Uh, I want to thank you for having me and uh, thank you for being on the podcast. I sure. really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Um, depending on my schedule, this may or may not be my 100th episode. Ooh, I get to maybe be the century mark. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. It's taken a while to get there, but I'm there. So Hey, you know, depending on how quickly you release episodes, that's uh, that's great. It's a great accomplishment. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Triple digits. Yay. Yeah, which a lot of people don't get to. N- no, a, a ridiculous number of people don't. Most people don't get past seven. Yeah, or two. Well, <laughs> if they're on anchor, then, it's usually, <laughs> then that's true. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, like we said in the pre-show, my goal is to educate those out there in the podcasting world who um, are thinking about starting a podcast, have maybe listened to my shenanigans and been like, that sounds like fun. Or also my little like selfish deed is I like to learn more about podcasting. I I read up a lot. Everybody has their opinions. But it's hard to because right now a lot of people that are in the industry have only been in it for like five years and you've been in it since the beginning so i 15 yeah so i kind of would take your word over theirs (laughs) since they're loud on social media doesn't necessarily mean that they get the whole picture that's true that's true so i guess where we should start for the listeners out there is um Kind of how you began. I, I know the story, but it's still fascinating to me because a lot of people think podcasting started with the iPod. Yeah. So let's talk about <laughs> what really were, we can start with, go nitty gritty with what podcasting means. Sure. <laughs> the definition of podcasting. Yeah, I, I think people are usually a little puzzled. I've, I have found that they, they are like, oh, that I, I didn't know. Like you said, I thought that podcasting means broadcast for the iPod. Yeah. But that's not true. Yeah, the original concept behind it and, and it's history is fungible right yeah. history is very fungible and so this might be a it's an acronym or possibly it's a backronym which is one that you back your way into right yeah. but the idea back in 2004 as it came out was podcasting stood for personal on demand broadcasting so pod p-o-d personal on demand yeah Broadcasting, but we just get we couldn't say pod rod. That's weird. So you just yeah. admitted to podcasting. Yeah, that was it. And it happened before. It didn't happen before there was an iPod. There was there were still iPods. But when I started listening to podcasts, um, I didn't have an iPod. I didn't have an iPod until somewhere till after podcasting for dummies came out because I said in the book. You don't need to have an iPod for this because I don't own one. And I wanted that to be true at least for a day or two. <laughs> so once the book was delivered to us, I, I went and bought an iPod so I could I could have that too. I don't remember. I had an iPod. I actually still do, but, you know, it's in the storage. Sure. 
most of my podcasting use was music. I was yeah. uploading all my CDs and all that good back. Of, you know, a CD kids. All right. Was this file on a disc <laughs> in the 90s? Shiny silver uh, thing. It wasn't just a file you get somewhere. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't. And also, okay, I had the original one, not one of the original podcasts or pods, iPods, but it didn't have podcasting on it. It was, it was before they went color. Remember when the big update was? Oh yeah. They went color and then podcasts were on Apple. I don't remember the, 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 the color scheme for it, but you could not, well, it was very difficult to get podcasts on an iPod. You had to right. sideload them because they weren't in iTunes. But that changed in yeah. the summer of 2005 is when Apple said iTunes now supports podcasting and you could get it natively. So if you were listening on an iPod prior to summer of 2005, you had to find a way. You had to drag it into your iTunes library on your computer and transfer things over. Okay. That makes sense because I was listening to internet radio at the time, like the switch sure. to internet radio. So I was on that AOL radio. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I got started was internet radio. That was my prior prior to podcasting, I was on internet radio. I miss those days. I'm Kinda. not sure that I do. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Spotify's made my life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But um, so anyway, so to, to kind of go from there, when you started, it was a transition from radio, right? It was an extension of, oh, okay. of radio. So I was doing a show that's no longer made, so don't drop everything and go listen for it or look for it, people. Uh, It was called The Dragon Page. We were interviewing science fiction authors, and we started doing that show in 2002, so a full two years before podcasting began. Actually, it was like February of 2002, so more like almost two and a half years prior to podcasting. And at the the end, or at at the time podcasting happened, we were already distributing that show. We were making an MP3 file available and linked on our website from our web server with the Winamp player or whatever oh, that we Winamp. had on that. And we were writing custom, a full blog post to go along with the episode of the show we'd done. Now, we were also distributing this show via CD, back to your Compact recollection disc. of those little <laughs> silver discs, mailing that to about six different stations around the country. And so when when podcasting came along, when you discovered it, it was, we have all the pieces. We have an MP3 file. We have a blog. There's an RSS feed people are subscribed to. All we got to do is hack this little enclosure tag thing, which was a quick and easy fix. And now the we were repurposing our content. It was, it was just another distribution method when we started in 2004. That makes sense. Yeah, it worked out really well. I mean, that's what podcasting is. Podcasting at its roots is a distribution method. It says nothing about the content. It says everything about how it's delivered. It's a media file that is delivered via an RSS feed that people subscribe to. That's the definition of a podcast. It's a technical term. So right. it's different. It's Well, the reason I bring that up is because I've had debates with people that aren't podcasters. And they just, I don't know if they're just doing it to get a rise out of me or what it was. But they're like, why call it a podcast then? Why don't you just call it like an audio file or something else? Some other, and I'm like... Because it's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's wrong with the word podcast? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the word podcast, right? So, yeah, and, and it's it's taken on its its own meaning. But the same thing for radio. What would you call a radio show? I mean, radio refers to the waves that go through the air. It doesn't tell you anything at all about no. what the content is. It is a music radio show. Is it NPR? Is it 
wacky morning DJs? Is it slow, horrible, you know, public broadcast stuff that happens at five o'clock in the morning? From very, it doesn't mean anything. The traffic. It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's simply a distribution method. So they're the content of podcasting. Uh, is definitely greater than just the distribution method. But we're going to keep calling them podcasts, call them shows, call them whatever you want to call them. I don't really care. It'd be fine. As no, long just, as everybody knows it. I think it's funny. Maybe they're just doing it because they know I'm a podcaster. It could be. Um, but anyway, you mentioned another interesting thing is podcast for dummies. Yeah. So what, it, what was that experience like? You know, writing podcasts for dummies. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the very abbreviated version of the story. So it's the end of 2004. At that time, when I discovered podcasting in October of 2004, I contacted a lot of the people that I had become friends with from this radio show that I was doing, telling all of them, hey, you're an underpublished author. There's this thing called podcasting. I'm not exactly sure what, but I know there's a way for you to use podcasting to get your stuff out there. Because you have to remember, Brooke, and you were a listener as well. Yeah. This happened before Amazon sold ebooks. In 2004, Amazon sold paper books. That's right. There were no ebooks. There were ebooks, but Amazon didn't sell them. No one, okay, six people had an ebook yeah. reader, but no one had them. So your choices were print book or audiobook which was Audible, which was a fortune, or you'd go to the truck stop and buy 12 CDs of Stephen King's It. Oh, that's right. You know? Yeah, it was a crazy time, right? So as an independent author, there wasn't, you didn't have very many options. You, your options were try and get your book published, picked up by a big New York City publisher, which happens to 0.005% of mm-hmm. the people who write, or you go the, well, we didn't call it self-publishing back then. We called it Vanity Press. Back then, you had some predatory publisher who would take your words and charge you only four or five thousand dollars to make them into books, and then you have fifteen books or five hundred books that you have to turn around and sell. You had to put all your money into it. So, podcasting comes around, and I say, "Hey, here's an option. Here's something you might be able to do. I don't exactly know what it is." And one of the people that I started started talking to said, "I think I'm going to release my book as a podcast." I've, got, I've already written, the, the first book is out, it's already through its sales cycle. If I time it right, it will. I will be done giving away this book that I'm going to narrate into a microphone and release one chapter at a time, every week. And if I time it right, it'll be just in time for book two to be published. Because he had a, a publisher pick up his stuff. And that'd be good promotional work. And I said, that's a brilliant idea, let me help you with that. And then three other people that I knew came in with the exact same idea pretty quickly. So that's how, from what I started doing with podcasting, sharing it was helping authors, showing authors that if they're willing to spend the time, energy, and effort to writing this, they could do that. So that thrust me into the, into the limelight of things, I guess, back in the day. And one of those offers, that, that very first author, called me, I think it was probably in December, and said, hey, my publisher wants me to write a book about podcasting. And I said, I have two questions for you. One, a book. Book sounds like a big thing. This is podcasting. It's you record an MP3 file, you throw it up on a, you FTP it up to a server somewhere, you hook it up. A pamphlet? Maybe a pamphlet, but a book? So that's my first question. Second question is, why is she calling you? What do you know about podcasting? He said, well, that's why I'm talking to you. 
because I was I enabled all the technology to make it work. So I said, call back and find out more about this whole book thing. So phone rings five minutes later, and he says, they want 266 pages. Why that number? Which was an oddly specific number. Yeah. That sounds really weird. Why two? Not about 250. Is that including like the four To 300. Or? Well, it, but to me, it was just like, what? 266. That's someone either has just picked a number at a random or more likely call your agent back and see who the publisher is. He calls back a few minutes later and he says, it's a, it's a for dummies book. And I said, tell him we'll do it. Done. We'll just do it. Because I know those things sell themselves. So the good news is, to, so T. Morris is his name, and he needed my help writing the book, all the technical pieces. We split it up 50-50, and I let him take care of all of the negotiating, all of the arguments, because what do I know mm-hmm. about writing a book? Nothing. He has written several books. He knows something. So once it all got done, we had four months. The way the dummies books work is once it's all said and done, and you've turned in your chapter or your, your initial outline of what you want the book to be and they've approved it, you have four months and it wow. must be done. So a quarter of a book per month is required. And it was terrifying, but fantastic. An amazing experience. I, I, I've written for them since. I love it. They, they know what they're doing. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. What edition was that? That was the first edition. Um, we then, they asked us to do Expert Podcasting Practices for Dummies, which is arguably the worst book title ever. And uh, then they asked us to do the second edition, and I bailed out halfway through the second edition. I just wasn't feeling it anymore, so I called the publisher and said, I don't want to do this. And I was really blown away. I was thinking, oh, they're going to get lawyers after me and all this. i got to return my advance and all that. And he told me, we love it when people tell us now. Usually we find out three months after the deadline that they didn't write anything. Um, but I hit all my deadlines. But the next one coming up, I said, yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not into it. So they got another author. And um, I had to finish a couple things that were my expertise. And he came in to do it. And so the second edition has my name on it and someone else's name as well. But then the third edition came out that actually had a, that was not me any, any longer. But yeah, it was still a fun experience. I, I still loved it. And if you don't mind asking, have you seen an uptick in sales of those, all of the editions that you were involved in since podcasting in the last five to 10 years has been talked about more? So I only got sales reports for the first two editions and the and the expert book. The expert book didn't sell. Okay. <laughs> Which is why I asked for my advance to be double because I knew was that, that wasn't going to sell. Was that the one with the long sell. title? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Expert Podcasting Practices for Dummies. That's oh, probably why it didn't title. sell. Different color, different. It was, it was a new thing they were trying and it just didn't work. So, but, um, <laughs> but I know the first and second edition sold really well. We made back our advance on both of those books. Oh, sweet. So that was great. And I don't get the sales data on the third book since I'm not a part of it anymore, but... I, I'm still friends with the two authors. It's it's T, I mentioned him earlier, and Chuck Tomasi, a fellow okay. Phoenix podcaster here as well now. And I know it's also doing well. So, okay, good. Yeah, it's still doing well. No, I, I don't really need the specifics. I was just curious because I think I picked up the first edition. Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote all the funny the parts. I wrote all the funny <laughs> parts of that. It's just, you know, after you read it, you go, oh, yeah, I did read that book. Yeah, yeah. I, I encounter people all the time who after knowing me for months or whatever else, finally are looking through their bookshelf and go, wait a minute. Mm. <laughs> I knew I, I knew that name from somewhere. 
<laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. It was so, fun. So I guess going forward, I think my thoughts is, well, I have a lot of thoughts, but I have to ring them. Mm. Um, so what I love about podcasting yeah. is the ability to conversate because I think what podcasting is doing in this day and age is getting people just to sit down and listen to a conversation hmm. as opposed to being on their devices 24 seven. Hmm. I mean, you might use your device to listen, sure. but you might be doing other things, working out, making dinner. I listen at work. Sure. Commuting, which I think is cool. Um, but the other thing I think is great is that depending on what podcast you listen to, you, I feel like if you're really truly listening, you can get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Do you do you agree? Yeah. Uh, the only reason I hesitate to answer that is because I do agree. But the reality is listening fires different centers of your brain than watching or reading. You, and you brought up the main point that I love about podcasting is if you watch something, if you use your eyes to consume content, your eyes can't do anything else. That's it. Right. And you, and you kind of need your eyes. If you are a if you are a visual person, if you are not visually impaired, your eyes are required to do most things. And while you're doing that thing with your eyes, you can't do anything else with your eyes. It's really hard to That's read true. an email driving down the street or watch a video. Please don't try that at home or anywhere else. Yeah, it's we terrible. do not condone that on the podcast. Terrible idea. But with audio, you can. I mean, that's why audio was so successful. It got in cars, people listen to the radio all the time, and you know, you're just bopping away down the street, driving across the, the interstate, listening to music. That's great. So audio itself is stimulates different nerves. It, it's somewhat, people would say that it doesn't require your full attention, but I argue it has the attention that matters. You put everything else on kind of autopilot while you're doing the dishes or do whatever. Right. It's, a, it's, it's found time which I think is most exciting. You, you, If you're the kind of person who wants to shove more content in their brain, there's no better way than audio because you can shove that content in your brain while your body and eyeballs are doing other sorts of things. So that's great from, from that matter. Where, where I, I don't know that it matters, I, I think what, what makes podcasts different than other forms of audio that you might listen to, which is predominantly radio, but it can also be audiobooks. Well, yes, I was saying. It can be, you know, a variety of things that are presented in that, in that straight media file. I think the great thing about podcasting is two things. One, there is no required format. There's not that requirement to go to commercial break every 15 minutes. All those things are gone. So you, they, you, you may choose to do that if you are a podcaster, but a podcast doesn't necessarily mean any any of that kind of format. So it can go as long or be as short as it needs to be. That That's one good thing. And the second thing about it is it's ongoing. It? it continues. So once, oh, yeah. if you're a podcast listener, it's rare for podcast listeners to ever get to, ep to zero episodes in their queue. I haven't been to zero episodes in my queue in a very, very long time. So when one episode is done, the next one just plays. That's great. Like, radio doesn't stop. Podcasts don't stop either because you've chose to subscribe to lots of different things. But it's content you've chosen to listen right. to, not what some program director tells you tells you, you have to listen to. They're all back to the personal on demand, and it's your choice to listen how you want. Agreed. 
I also love that it's uncensored, but that just... Well, yeah. most of them are. Yeah, well, I mean, they, there's no requirement. The FCC has no jurisdiction over internet files. It's, uh, FCC only comes in play when you're using public airwaves. And as of, as of right now, the internet is not a public utility, so they have no say over it. So you can do whatever you want. So if you want to drop F-bombs on your show, knock yourself out. You're free to do that. A lot of content isn't, you know, and we do have some policing inside. Apple, for example, if you do use explicatives, you know, if you use nasty words, they want you to flag it as explicit. And if you don't, there can be negative repercussions, which means they could kick you out, and that's not good. So you don't want that to happen. But it's not like it's really prohibiting you. I mean, okay, there are, I think, 18 countries, India being the big one, where if they do not include any explicit content in their localized iTunes slash Apple podcast store. If you're in India listening to the podcast and use the India Apple podcast slash iTunes, you will not be able to listen to the Joe Rogan experience, for example, because it's explicit and they block that. But that's a handful of countries for the rest and for most Americans. We don't care. Yeah, it's all free, free frame. Which is weird because mine is marked that not every one of my episodes. As long as one is marked it, you will not be in India. Nobody in India listens to you, Brooke, because you have a potty mouth. Sad. And the Indian government says, no potty mouths. We are a clean country. We do not like... Yeah, okay. But Russia likes me. Anyway, that's another story. Russia <laughs> is way okay with it. Lots of lots of listeners in Russia, too. No, no it's, just, it's just funny when you look at... When you actually look at stats, you're like, that country likes me. Anyway. Uh, it's bizarre. Um, <laughs> so, so to go back on that, the reason I brought that up is because... I don't know if it's the celebrity political and branding of certain podcasts in recent years that have made podcasting like Joe mm -hmm. uh, popular, so to speak. But it's interesting because there's just a, an array of of different content somebody can get in podcasting, mm -hmm. which yeah. is cool. Um, but there's also a lot of cross-pollination. What do you mean by that? Where... What I've noticed is that every time some a friend of a friend, specifically, let's just take this like let's take go back to Joe. I I'm a huge into stand up comedy, mm -hmm. so he's launched a lot of he has a lot of friends that he's helped in comedy. Absolutely, but he's also had them as guests on his podcast. Yes, and with his popularity, they've launched podcasts, and mm -hmm. then their podcasts have gotten big. Yeah, and then that seems to be kind of an overall stand up comedy thing. Is that if you're a stand up comic nowadays and you don't have a podcast. Yeah. It's rare. Oh, comedy's huge. It's one of the biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. No so what's it's great, but some I don't know if it's just me because I listen to some, but recently I've kind of not been like I gotta listen every week to your episode. Yeah. Especially if it's like if the fourth time you've had Bert on your podcast, Bert yeah. Kreischer, which I love the machine, but I know he's your buddy and because you're getting millions and millions of downloads, I get it. It's now become a business cash cow for all of the, oh, absolutely. the buddies. Yeah. But you, the average, what I'm getting at is the average person won't have that experience in podcasting. No, certainly won't. But you, what you call cross-pollination, uh, the idea that it, it's, it becomes the place you have to go. And once you're on the Joe Rogan experience and that launches your other shows, that's just the network effect that lots of podcasts, even outside of comedy, that's works. true. You know, if, you, if you look at what's happening with PRX, the public radio exchange, which is a huge in the podcasting now, 
they get started on places like 99% Invisible, and then that producer goes on to launch his or her own show later on somewhere else. All of the networks, the Wondery Networks, Maximum Fun, another comedy network, they are masters at putting people on, putting new podcasts on these existing shows because they know that there's some spillover in audience. It's, it's cross-pollination, it's the network effect, it's just using this medium wisely to encourage people to listen to more interesting things because we got we got plenty of plenty of time to listen right i'm not saying it's a bad thing no i'm just saying i'm trying to for the listeners out there not discourage you be the thing is is if you want to get into podcasting don't get into podcasting thinking you're gonna be a joe rogan and make a million dollars off an episode you're not here's the reality the average podcaster the average podcast makes sees i should say less than 150 downloads per episode joe rogan millions of downloads per episode you're not joe rogan out there listening you're probably unless you are (laughs) joe Joe rogan got popular not because he's a goofball and rent and rambles for three hours with various interesting guests you might think you want to do that joe rogan got popular because he's joe rogan yeah he's been on television he is a celebrity he brought to the table 12 million fans and three quarters of them said that's not for me but the one quarter that did stick around suddenly give him millions of downloads per episode yeah that's that's the reality. So the size of your existing network has everything to do with how successful your show is going to be. If you if you think you can launch a podcast and make it successful overnight, it's just like writing a book and then putting it in the bookstore and leaving it alone on the shelf. It's not going to sell itself. It's just, you're, it, no one is waiting every day at the bookstore for the new arrivals. A very, very small number of people go to that shelf that says new arrivals. Everybody else has something they're looking for. So there's there's not a built-in audience. You've got to bring your audience to podcasting. That's the hard and fast reality that I uh, unfortunately have to bust a lot of bubbles when, I, when I'm consulting with people who, who think that's the idea. Oh, I'll just put this podcast out there. And all these people will come streaming in. Like, First off, there's 729,000 podcasts right now. What are you going to do to get yours above the den? Not that you have to do that. I mean, that's the other reality of this. So let's say that you you are, let's say you're below average. Let's say you get, I've got a client that I can, I won't mention their name. They get 60 downloads per episode on a good day. Sometimes it's 40 episodes, 40 downloads of an individual episode. They're happy with that because the way I I made them think about this is, Let's say that every Friday night, you went down to your local library, the community room at your local library, and you opened the door, and 60 people were waiting for you to talk to them. Wouldn't you be just thrilled to do that? I know I would. I get up on stage and talk all over the world, and I'm thrilled if 12 people are in the audience when I'm doing these talks. So think about it that way. Don't think about it to be to get some artificial measurement of success that some celebrity had, and instead think about the opportunity. Do you, if you want, could you talk to sixty people every day? Is that possible for you to do? Maybe that's only possible through podcasting. So use it, make it, make it work. Right. Well, the the reason I'm getting that too is that there's there's a there's a I think a misconception that if 
I've had some people go, hey, I want to start a podcast. You have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked to them about it. I'm like, do it. And they're like, but then it's the hesitation. Oh, but I don't think my idea for a podcast is going to be good enough or nobody's going to want to listen to so-and-so and and I talk about this. And I'm like, but then my response is, do you find it interesting? Mm. Somebody else find it interesting? Yeah. Then they'll listen to the podcast. It might not be a lot. It might be really niche. Yeah. But that's kind of what I found with my podcast. When I started, I didn't believe it would evolve to what it is now. Mm -hmm. I started it with, thinking okay it's just gonna be me talking about random crap and then i found out really interesting like early on that i'm like no i want to talk to people okay sure and share their stories so i think with when people are discouraged to start a podcast what do you like is it when they hear these numbers and the is it the fear of not is it not being famous is it not thinking you're good enough what do you, what is what do you encounter when you're talking to new clients? Um, by the time they get to me, it's it's rare when somebody comes to me that thinks they're not good enough. That okay. that doesn't really happen because you're not willing to dish out hundreds of dollars if you don't think you're you're good enough that's at true. that. And I think that's changing because now that podcasting is everywhere and 51% of the people have listened to a podcast in the U.S. population and that number continues to increase. I think a lot of people are. A lot of brand new people are experiencing podcasting or thinking about podcasting or ready to take that jump more than they've ever been before. But it's the same thing. If you go back to the beginning of blogging, it's the same fear. Right? I don't want to write this up that no one's going to show up and listen and read read what I have to say every month, yeah. right? And maybe I'm not a very good writer and all that stuff. So, again, I don't get many people that, that come to me that, that don't think they can do it. I get a lot of people who come to me thinking that it's going to be a cash cow for them. Uh, that they're going to make money. And then I do some pretty simple math for them, and that's quickly discouraging. But that's good news, because every person that I talk out of a podcast, which sounds terrible, why would you talk someone out of doing something? Every person that I've talked out of it isn't doing it for passion, isn't doing it because they have a burning need to get behind the microphone and share their story with the world. Every person I've discouraged is using it to try to make money. And the reality is, unless you have thousands of downloads, like 50,000 downloads, you're not going to make serious money with podcasting. And 50,000 downloads of your podcast puts you well into the top 1% of podcasters. You're just, if you're coming into podcasting to make money, I will quickly turn you away from that. Unless you come to me and say, and I have this mailing list that has 500,000 people that is terribly active, and I get a 50% open rate and a 35% click rate, great, let's start a podcast because you might be able to monetize it. But for everybody else out there, Podcasting is a slow, slow, slow growth. You probably won't see meteoric uh, rise. And if you need to support yourself on advertising, you just not going to happen for the vast majority of them. It's, it's not. You might be able to pay for your hosting. You might make 20 bucks a month or so. The same thing you make with Google AdSense if you drop it on your blog. But you're not going to make a fortune at this. You're not. Don't quit your day job. Which I haven't. Probably not. I haven't. Well... I have, but again, I produce podcasts for people all over the world. You know, yeah. I don't make money from my podcast. I make money because of podcasting, not from podcasting. Right. But 
like you said, the number one thing is why I've continued and why I think I want to continue is because I find, I feel like I have a passion for it. I feel like yeah. the more I've done it, the more mm-hmm. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, of all the hobbies you can And I don't make have, crap. No. But, <laughs> I don't make money. That's but, here's, but here's the deal. How many people can you think of that spend $2,000 every year on new skis or ski boots? I had a neighbor next door to me who fancied himself a, uh, what is the, the the motorcycle, dirt bike racing. Like, and this guy was into that. He had his entire garage. Couldn't park his car in his garage. Because, because that's where toys. his motorbike yeah. was and the whole setup for that and doing these things. And he'd go to these events and, and, and pay the registration fees and whatever and, you know, make a handful of dollars here on, you know, prize money and whatever. But this guy spent probably close to twenty to $30,000 a year on his hobby that he loves. And no one expects him to be the next. I mean, he might have visions in his mind to be the next motorbike king, but that's not really going to happen. That's the great thing about podcasting. The initial investment is tiny. If anything, you can do it with anything that you've got. The best microphone you can use is the one that you have. And we all have these fantastic microphones in our pocket. Mm-hmm. Right now, we can use our phone to do it. And if you want to step up to get pro gear, I mean, sure, not everybody can talk into $400 microphones like you and I are doing right now. Yeah. But still, a complete total setup that I've got right here, you can do it for like a little over a grand. That's cheap. That's, you know, when it comes to other hobbies that you could be doing, it's, it's, why wouldn't you do this? I mean, if you really have something to say, if you've got a story that needs to be told, I think it's fantastic. You should totally do it. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love just, I've learned stuff just by listening to a podcast or thought about something differently while listening to a podcast. Good. And that's, that's why I think I love, want to continue. I might have my weird way of doing it. Yeah. But in my different series of segments or whatever you call it on my show, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh I find it gratifying and that's probably why I still do it. Of course. But my point is is to point out to other people cuz I recently had some coworkers at my day job be like, "I want to start a podcast." And I'm like, "Then do it. What you do you need?" You should do that. I can tell you the equipment, you can Yeah. Um I kind of had a little like uh mini seminar at work about it mm-hmm. and everybody seemed interested because they listened to podcasts yeah. but starting one was the like getting over the hump yeah. kind of situation yeah um because i think people everybody thinks they need to have what everybody else has in sure. terms of equipment right or studio time or whatever mm-hmm. it may be mm-hmm. and that to me the best thing about the podcast is what you just experienced is that you, you could be the cheapest thing or sure. you could have that but as long as you do it right it doesn't make any people aren't gonna really tell when they're listening whether or not you're in a state-of-the-art studio or not oh no a lot of people won't know that and if you're just starting out and you've never done it you just want to try the thing to remember is that you the people that are going to listen to your show at least when you are first starting out really aren't that concerned about overall quality they really do want the content now that's changing i mean i gotta be honest it's been 15 years the listeners the listener today has more options for high quality audio has more options for well thought out stories just better just better stuff there's a lot more options for that are better than there were 10 years ago 
And so if somebody is used to listening to high quality stuff and they hear somebody makes a recommendation, hey, try out this new show that that Brooke is making. And if it doesn't meet their own internal standard of what quality should be, there's a very good chance they'll stop listening. But here's the kicker. So what? Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Once you know you're into it, it's like, oh my God, I have to do this. This is a compelling, burning need for me. And, and the second part, and I'm willing to invest to make my show sound better so that I can capture those people who are of a more discerning ear or a pain in the ass, whatever you want to call them, who won't give me a chance. <laughs> That's fine. That's the time to make your upgrade. But don't do it starting out. Again, the best microphone you have is the one that's in front of you. Learn how to use it is a really good idea because not all microphones are created the same and you don't use them the same. But just just do it. For, for the reality of we have no rules. You can do whatever you want to. But at the same time, on the other side of that coin, we have 15 years of best practices that have been assembled. There are countless people out there who will offer advice, some sketchy, but there's plenty of people who've been doing this for a long time. The Dave Jacksons of the world, Dave Jackson School of Podcasting. Dave's going to give you all good, solid advice. These people have good reputations and they're very willing to help newbies do it. And they've developed good guidelines for how close you should be to a microphone, whether it's a cheapo gaming headset you bought at Best Buy or something else that's new. You can always improve. There are people willing to help you at every level of the game. I can tell people, even AAA ball players who play baseball professionally that don't make a lot of money, they pay hitting coaches. Yeah. They have people who help them do that. There are professionals at every stage. Somebody greenlit Sharknado 17. So there are filmmakers at every level. There Wait, are podcasters 17? at every level. I don't know what number we're at. <laughs> I was like, the first two were, or I, three were horrible. I'm just putting that out there for when they didn't think about podcasts, they never die. So That's you know, true. in 20 years, when Sharknado 17 comes out, this will suddenly be relevant. <laughs> God help us. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of what I wanted to go over in terms of people that are apprehensive of getting into podcasting. Or if you're like, everybody talks about podcasting, and I am just found this randomly. Mm-hmm. Well, find your niche. We talk, what is your thought on this whole ASMR mm. explosion? Yeah. Because there's... I'm sure you've heard of the term misophonia. I have not heard eusophonia. What is that? Or misophonia. Misophonia. Um, It's people that hate when they're listening to audio. Yeah. Other sounds. So like if somebody is like eating or whatever. But then there's these people that when I bring on ASMR. So don't do this. Yeah, right. Um, They love it. It's like this like euphoric state. Yeah. And it's exploded on YouTube and everywhere you could watch. And I've tried to listen to them. Yeah. And I'm like, for two seconds, they're calming. And then I'm like, this is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like cilantro. You I know, like they're, cilantro. I love cilantro. But there are, there's a certain population who has a gene for them when they eat cilantro, it tastes like soap. That is true. So ASMR is, is that way, but it, there's no soap tasting. It's one of those things that you either get it. And so when she, and it's always she, it's always a girl that's doing it, especially on YouTube, and they don't have very many clothes on when they do it on YouTube, apparently, too. Yes. They get right on the microphone and they do this thing. Or it's a comedy bit when they actually get, like, a male celebrity do it to, like, as an advertisement. But but it's just ridiculous. So so some people get it and they get the chills and they love that and it, it hits some dopamine receptor level in their brain and it works for them. It doesn't do anything for me. 
I don't get the chills. I don't get the thing. All I notice is the constant mouth noise. So that's yeah. I don't like it when me. people whisper for that long of a period. I think that's yeah. weird when you're just like. Hey, I, I did a little. <laughs> I did a very very small amount of acting, and so I learned how to stage whisper, which is very different. Right. That's a stage whisper. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I hear the tongue clicking up and down inside of the mouth. So it's not for me. The people who get it are, are totally into it, and it's their thing. And so if you want to go ASMR out for people, there's an audience waiting for you. That doesn't even help me sleep. I like you. It annoys me. I keep going, if they just ran that through a D-click filter, they wouldn't have it. But then it probably doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Well, and, and it's funny is, it, is there's all... I don't know if it's the settings or of these microphones. When, when you Have you ever listened to one and... And they don't know what to say, so they'll pause and they'll continue with whatever else they're doing. And then when they go, you can literally hear them like swallow yes. or like yeah. chew, and you're just like, that ruins the vibe. I'm me. with you. But anyway, for some I'm, people, I might not be an ASMR. No, there's a fetish for everyone out there, man. And so knock yourself out. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> I'm not trying to bash those people, but I just it's interesting how that I feel like. That just exploded recently. It exploded. It was, it's been a couple of years, I think, is yeah. when, the, when the big hit. And I'm, I'm because I don't follow it. I don't know. I don't know where where it stands today. But hey, that's one of the great things about podcasting is we have all these sub niches that are developing that really couldn't have done it. You could argue that ASMR on YouTube would be okay, but still, YouTube's audio fidelity is not great. For most of the YouTube, there's, there's compression on that. So you can put a much higher audio quality file out on a podcast than you ever can inside of a video file that gets distributed on YouTube, at least, because they'll, they'll knock it down. But there's other aspects of, of that, right? I mean, take the audio fiction, what we call it podcast fiction now. This revival of what was audio drama that's all of a sudden exploded into, into new various uh, formats and styles. I, I think I'm most impressed by, by what investigative journalists are doing. You know, it started with Serial back in 2014, Cereal's which, which you, you, you brought up earlier, you know, what was the kind of the big thing? And a lot of that owes to Serial. That was kind yeah. of the big breakout. But it, there were also other things that were in play there that, that enabled that to happen. But what Serial did is it showed journalists that there's, a, there's this new medium that they didn't have access to before. Because there's only so many columns a newspaper will give you, or a magazine will give you. And an ongoing story across multiple weeks in a newspaper doesn't really cut it. It, I mean, it, it kind of does, but it was more of the, you know, Ask Abby and those sorts of things, very podcasty style. But if you had a big, juicy Watergate scandal, it was just one story in, in a newsprint, and it was done. Or you'd write a book, and you read the book, and it was done. But today, you can take a podcast, and now it's not just writing about it. When you're interviewing that person who's giving you the juicy details of what happened inside of the cabinet room, you put a microphone in that person's mouth, and you can hear actually what they were saying, and then weave a story around it. So journalists have just done great job inside of podcasting. Totally exploded this thing, true crime, in, in the same yeah, the in crime. the same level. It's, yeah. it's just these new genres, and people absolutely love it. And will follow them. That's a niche, and for them, that's what podcasting is. And there's nothing outside of it. So that's all they do is you know, those things, which is fantastic. I mean, niche niche is great. Going niching down, as they say, the riches are in the niches. So uh, <laughs> go for it. Right. So on that note, where do you, I guess, I know, predict, I hate asking prediction questions, no, but, right. I've, but we talked about how it's the 
normalization of podcasting is growing, meaning yeah. that people, more and more people are listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. finding podcasts, talking about podcasts. Yeah. And in your journey from where it began to where we are now and where it can go, do you think we are growing in the correct i don't want to say correct way but you know what i mean do you think it is in a positive way because if when you read a lot of podcasting articles like on the podcast journal Mm -hmm. everybody has their own opinions and sometimes i feel like that is motivated by some people not wanting competition if they are (laughs) monetizing you know monetizing their podcasts yeah so i guess my will we see i don't think we'll see a downturn by any means especially with different platforms really gearing up and understand like spotify for example mm-hmm. being like yeah podcasting right. is a thing yeah we're gonna make it a whole tab on our website or whatever right. or whatever app you use yeah yeah so where do you see it as you have talked to many clients and how a lot of businesses are now podcasting yep. to help their business sure sure where do you think it's gonna go so you're not putting the genie back in the bottle there's no reason for people who are podcasting today to stop podcasting tomorrow. There's not impending legislation which is going to knock it down. Uh, if if the if the ad apocalypse comes, if advertisers start looking at the numbers and going, hmm, maybe this podcast advertising isn't going as, as great as we thought, even if they pull their numbers back, it's only going to affect the, the super top echelon of podcasts, the, the vast majority the solo people that are doing them, the other Brooke Browns out there, advertising crashes, you, that affects you 0%, right? So there's really nothing that's going to stop you from podcasting unless something new comes along. Now, what is that something new? I got no idea. I, TikTok is a hot thing, and I, would, I can't imagine why. I don't why. understand that, but, but you know. <laughs> but nonetheless, right? But even with TikTok and that and Snapchat and all these things didn't affect YouTubers. That's true. You know, you're still making content there, so there's really no reason to not do it. Blogging is over. Really? There's still a lot of blogs out there that are written every single day, and a lot of people making money off of their blogs. So there's no reason for it to stop. I, typically, when new things come on, they don't really stop the other thing. right? Video did not, kill contrary to popular <laughs> belief, did not kill the radio star, right? There's still radio, and radio is struggling, but radio is struggling for a variety of different reasons. Newspapers are still around. You know, if you go back all the way, they say, well, what about horse and buggies? Actually, people who are farriers make more money now than they ever did back in the day. There's a much bigger draw for it than, than there ever were previously. So that's not going That's not going anywhere. Um, what will hold podcasting back, I think, where you started talking about, where is people who want it to be preserved. People who want, who think podcasting is either perfect right now or more likely back in 2006. And they think that's what podcasting was. That was the golden age of podcasting when those things happened. And all these new things, like ASMR, like these crew tribe, like these super involved 120 some odd hours per episode efforts, that's not really podcasting. Or these radio shows that are repurposing their content, that's not really podcasting, they will tell you, because that's not the way it was in 2006. That's going to hurt podcasting. I agree. Because podcasting, again, it's nothing but a distribution method. It's a file delivered via the internet. That's pretty much it. We need to let people, we need to encourage people to tell engaging, compelling stories in audio. So that's 
what we need. Not not saying, no, this is what the format is and you should only do it that way. No, that needs to stop. We need to uh, encourage people to do more experience and explode more with the, with the, uh, with the format that they have in mind. Because what do you want to do? It's a microphone in you. Create your art. Do your thing. Whatever it happens to be. Get, get inspired. Do weird stuff. Make punk rock. You know, podcasting started at a very punk rock thing, and it's going to continue. Punk rock didn't die. Punk rock's still there. There's still experimental weird stuff. You like EDM stuff, right? There are experimental <laughs> weird, well, you know, avant-garde, crazy. I heard something about recently about noise musicians. I've just yes. discovered that's a thing. Great. Wonderful. You know where a great place for you to do all that stuff is? Podcasting. Yeah. Why not? Agreed. And on that note, this morning's your podcast, you were talking about time. Yeah, I was. This whole week I'm talking about time, yeah. And without spoiling it for those that haven't listened to oh, those right. podcasts, I thought it was cool this morning because it made me think, uh, when I started podcasting, like I mentioned earlier, and no fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> it's your show. You can cuss on it. I know. <laughs> but it was just one of those things where I was like, I didn't know. Well, for those that don't know, if you're a new listener, this was a YouTube show. And then I was like... Not filming it on YouTube. Sure. So that's why if you're confused with the numbering, it's because the original <laughs> ones were on YouTube. But, got it. Got it. Because, um, you know, back in the day, there was this thing called Google Plus and Hangouts. I remember those things. Yeah, yeah that's I what I used fan. to do. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, well. Such is life. Yeah. Anyhow, you were talking about time. Time yeah. horizon specifically. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was an interesting topic because it's like a lot of people don't plan ahead or they think that. Like we like we said that if it's not their idea of what success is, mm-hmm. that they're not going to continue and they're not going to ride it out. Yeah. And we've talked about even on this show, I've had recently kind of took a little bit of a hiatus for other reasons, but also reevaluating. Do I want to continue? Mm-hmm. But I do. So sure. So to kind of, I guess, spoiler alert for those that are this week or whenever you're going to hear this. Uh, what it, that is an interesting topic to think of. I don't think a lot of podcasters think in that. No, think about that at all. Actually, no, we we really don't. And and so there's there's a lot to to unpack there. So I want I want to go back to what you were talking about about you know there was a time when you thought do I want to continue this and and yes you do. So my question to you is well not I'll make a statement not a question. So this this thing called podcasting doesn't necessarily have to be this show that's true a lot of people i have done it i mean i have been on i think i counted them up i got to 15 different podcasts that i have been the host or a co-host of not 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 just a guest not a reoccurring wacky sidekick but actually a host of 15 different shows that i have been a part of and the vast majority of them are no longer in production they're done They've died. They've moved on because everybody involved in almost all cases has gone on to do other things. You know, the the podcast you are doing today, and I'm not speaking directly to you, Brooke, but anybody else out there, the podcast you are doing today doesn't have to be the podcast you're doing five years from now or five days from now. I mean, you can go do new things, learn all the tricks, learn all of the skills you need, and then go do something else. But having said that, I have friends of mine who have been doing the exact same show for 15 years and they love it and it's what they do and they do a very good job and it's, it's, it's giving them what they need. So that's fine. But we can stay in podcasting without doing the podcast we're doing right now. Most people don't. Most shows have a natural end. Let it end. You know, 
Hell, Friends and Frasier and all those other shows had a natural end. So just let things end and go on to do other things if, in fact, you want to do that. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I guess also a lot of people don't realize how much work podcasting is. <laughs> what we do to get yeah. these audio files up and, and sounding good and the marketing and... It's really, it's really mind-boggling. You know, there, there is a perception, and, and to be honest with you, back to my argument of what's going to kill podcasting, I think some of the old dogs in podcasting perpetuate this myth that there is somehow a, a correlation between the length of time it takes to listen is somewhere about the length of time it takes to produce. And while that is true for a, a group of podcasters, which I call the record and release style of podcasters, who sit behind a microphone, record, push it out, and it's, and it's done. They might spend an extra 15 minutes on a show. That's not normal. The reality is it takes a lot longer. And next time you're watching that two-hour-long movie, what do you think? Two and a half, maybe three hours all took them to put that together? <laughs> yeah, no. I just saw Once Upon a Time yesterday, and I know Quentin Tarantino took four years to make there that movie. There you go. Right, exactly. I can read a book. If I want to read a novel, and I've done it where I've read a book in a day. It takes me about 12 hours, 8 to 12 hours to read a novel. Having written a book, not a novel, having written a book, I can tell you, again, remember the four months that I mentioned previously? Right, And that's just writing time. That's not editing time and rewriting time on top of that. All, I shouldn't say that. The media we're used to seeing, television, radio, books, movies, newspapers, takes the, there is no correlation between the amount of time it takes to do something than actually to enjoy that something. Art, take art for example, and I'm, I, I admit fully, I don't get art. So when I go to a museum, I have to cut, shut my mouth on a lot of things. That's easy, my brain tells me. <laughs> but I know it's not easy. I know that it takes hours. And I, when's the last time, let's say you know an art, successful artist. Bob you go Ross. up to that person, not Bob Ross, because he's <laughs> dead. But go to someone who's a successful artist. And the question you always have about their piece is, is things are things like, my God, that's amazing. What was your inspiration? And, you know, um, I, you want to know what really went into that. But the thing you don't say is, how long did that take you? Exactly. That's a that's a dick move. You know, it's just that that's not, that's not that has nothing to do with your enjoyment of the piece. You, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about podcasting. It takes, it's it's taking longer than ever to make a show because the production values are going up. And just because there's more opportunity to do more things. If it's even stop producing, as you mentioned, marketing, sharing it in social, coming up with the friggin' ideas, all yeah. of that stuff. It's, this is, this is work. But hopefully, it's, it's work that you love. Right, agreed. Awesome. It's a good. It's a good ending note. I think. End end on love. It's yes. a good idea. So I know where to find you, and I'll put all the links up. Yeah. But uh, tell the folks the best place to find you. Got it. So if you're curious about podcasting and you want a kind of inside scoop of where we think we are going in the podcasting world, you want to go to podcast pontifications.com. Yeah, I know it's a hard word to spell. But nonetheless, that's it. Podcast pontifications. I do it, what, four days a week? Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Less than 10 minutes. Uh, And it's all focused on making podcasting and hopefully your podcast better. But if you want to find me, uh, I'm kind of everywhere. Just search for me. That's that's the great thing about being named Evo Terra is I'm the only one. But mostly Twitter. Twitter's where I do most of my stuff. Just Evo Terra, all one word on Twitter. And that's where you'll find me probably, uh, you know, poking fun at somebody because it's what I do. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. You're welcome. To be Century Mark. 
Got it. That'd be great. So welcome to Shivo Studios. I think you're the first guest recording of a podcast in uh, in Shivo Studios. So uh, here you are. Wow. I feel honored. Got it. 